So uh, this this morning we got up and up. We got up and did uh, two point six seven miles. Nice. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was warm this morning. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. It was. I had the sweat stain on my neck on my shirt. Yeah, it was. It was <clears> humid <throat> here at you know I got here at quarter to nine this morning. I was like, it's already yeah. really humid. Well, you read me how hot it's going to be this week. Yeah, and I'm not happy. Seven, yeah. Not happy. Tuesday, Tuesday. It better not be that hot. Oh, it's going to be hot, yeah. In a couple weeks, we're going to South Carolina. Oh, yeah. All right, y'all ready? Yes. Let's do it. What is up, guys and gals? Welcome to episode... Uh, 60. 60? What was 59? Last week? Last week. <laughs> that was dumb, wasn't it? Is there a rat in them? Yeah, John's yeah. still toddling about... The rats of them. But anyway, welcome to episode six zero of the What Makes Us Human podcast. JR is over there sipping water out of a What Makes Us Human podcast mug right now. Yep, absolutely. A gift from my wonderful wife, an early birthday present. Yeah, we don't have merch yet, but we're on our way one day. By the way, thank you for picking the cutest picture of a rat to share on social media. He was so cute. Well, I don't want something people would like immediately recoil at. Right. So, you Google pick, you Google rat and go to images. You get a lot of different things. Little baby You gotta be careful on Google. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I duck duck goat it, but yeah. Okay. Doesn't have the ring of Google. There you go. So yeah, we walked two point six seven miles this morning. Nice. Very nice. uh, I only burned four hundred nineteen calories. So every yeah. time I put something in my mouth today, I was like, "Do I really need you?" <laughs> you know. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> but uh, it's been a good day. Been a good day. Yeah, I was sitting out by the garden a little bit earlier, looking over some of this stuff, and it got too hot. I had to go in the air conditioning. Even in the shade, I was like, "It's it's just too much." It's he, hot. Welcome he came to the inside sun. and watched uh, Criminal Minds with me for a couple hours. Ah, Criminal Minds. Yeah. Yes. She yeah she she watches a lot of that. So we've been watching this guy. I love this dude. Uh, it's on, oh shoot, uh, investigate discovery, discovery investigate. Okay. Okay. And it starts out with this creepy whisper, investigate. Ooh. And there's like a blue background with a little square. It says investigate discovery. I think is what it says. Um, I, yeah, I'm <clears throat> picturing something like this. Okay. okay. Yeah. So the show is called Homicide Hunter, Lieutenant Joe Kenda. Okay. And this is epic. He's like 70 now, but he is dry as bones in the desert. And they, you know, he's looking right into the camera. Like, they got that camera. Well, it's not right up on him or there'd be a fisheye effect. But, you know, zoomed in right on his face. And yeah. he's, he's walking you through this entire hour-long process of the murder and then him being called. So I was getting ready to go down to bed for the night, and my phone rang. And we all know at the Kenda house, when the phone rings, it's work. You know, and he... Uh, and then they have this reenactment where this younger fella playing Joe Kenda does, you know, um, but like he'll be interviewing the person, the young actor, and the guy will be like, okay, I did it, you know, or something. And then it cuts to the real Joe Kenda who's like 70 years old and he goes, well, my, 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 we have a confession. <laughs> this is hilarious. <laughs> but I cannot quit watching this dude. Nice. So we, we've been watching uh, Lieutenant Joe Kenda. Who is not a sponsor for the show yet. <laughs> so we love watching murder mysteries. Yeah. Be interesting to see what's going to happen with uh, Discovery now that Discovery and Warner Media is all one big company. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Hmm. 
Maybe they'll do something useful with their DC properties. Ah, a little jab there. Perry, jab and Perry. So today we are talking about a very intriguing, fun, slightly scary, monumentally awesome subject matter. Yeah, we're going to talk about tricksters. Tricksters, baby. Tricksters in mythology. Marvel has rung this for all they can and more. Absolutely. He's my favorite. And he is who? Loki. Yeah, so Jared, you're going to talk about Loki some, right? Yeah, I was going to start off talking about Loki, and uh, I think you have one, and then uh, I'm going to kind of hit some highlights of several different. Um, we're going to kind of talk about what all of this kind of tells us. So It's creepy. So tricksters have an interesting role in mythology as long as they as long as their actions are seen as like playful or or even mischievous we're, we're usually okay with it. the audience usually receives that well right um if it gets over into cruel not so much so like so like db cooper is a great story yeah yeah and he's not cruel to anybody yeah he does something amazing at the end he jumps out of a plane Right? Yeah. Yeah, and so it's interesting that, what's this guy's name, Tom Hiddleston? Yeah, he uh, he ends up being him, right, in, in that show. Spoiler alert. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, definitely. I, I had totally forgotten about that, but you're right. But how, how this is perceived by the audience can also be affected by who the trick, trick is being played on. If the trick is against someone who is powerful, maybe stronger than the, the trickster, or maybe someone who's hypocritical or abuses their power, it's usually pretty well received. <laughs> yeah. If it's against someone who is who's poor or helpless, a lot of times it's more viewed as cruel. It's not it's not well received by the audience. So if you play a trick on the president, it's gonna be funny. If you play a trick on Oliver Twist, it's a little different. Yeah. Okay. So that that, that definitely is what you kind of look at all of this. There's a fine line there. Yeah. That the, that the trickster has to walk. I can't help but suddenly I got a, <laughs> the, the video of the Easter Bunny running over to Joe Biden to get him away from the press. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he taps him on the shoulder, and when Joe's face... Oh, yeah. When he sees this giant bunny... The Easter bunny is real. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he is terrified for just a millisecond. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That, oh, yep. man. Let's see. We're laughing about it. Yep. Now, if the Easter bunny tapped on the child's shoulder, and, ah, you know, it wouldn't be so... I no, might still laugh. I would laugh. But, and then Joe could go and comb his hair for you know, or something <laughs> like he does. Sure. <laughs> the uh, the uh, the whole like like dressed up Easter bunny that kids sit on the Easter bunny's lap those are usually just terrifying. Oh really? Yeah. The original, the old ones. Oh, the old old ones. Yeah, yeah. Some of that is like the old photos. Everybody has dead eyes, and that that's part of it. Yeah, but like an old orange photo from nineteen sixty seven. Yeah, yeah. But usually the kids terrified, and you look at the Easter bunny, and you're like, yeah, that's kind of terrifying looking. I get it. Yeah. So Loki. You like my transition there? I did. The proverbial terrifying Easter bunny. <laughs> He's got the, the horn thing, right? The horn helmet that looks kind of like ears. The name Loki. <laughs> yeah. There's there's a lot of discussion around where the name comes from. Right. And if it's even the right name. Right. And and one thing to keep in mind, anytime you're dealing with Norse, Norse mythology, is 
we really have like two books about the all of these people and that's it. That's it. So there's not a lot to go on. Right. But sometimes the name is seen as associated with the Norse word logi or logi for logi. flame. And sometimes he's even called the god of fire okay. um, as a result. But that may have just been that may have just been Jacob Grimm. Ah, Grimm's fairy tales. Yeah. Jacob Grimm associated Loki with Logi, who's the god of fire. They may have been two separate people. Sometimes this, every once in a while, when you're studying this stuff, it's like you take the fun out. It's like you learn the magic trick. I mean, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The others, the fun out of it yeah. Right the others are are equally interesting. Uh, the Germanic root Luke, oh, L-U-K, uh, has to do with like knots or locks, which you know is interesting in its own in yeah. its own right as it pertains to this character. Other scholars see it as a shortened name for Lucifer, or um, the old English word loca, which meant prison. Hmm. That's particularly interesting if we think about something that happened later in Loki's life. Loki, there's there's a lot of diff, there are some different versions of this in spite of having limited material, but he's seen as the son of a giant and and Lofi, um, a, a goddess in Norse Norse mythology. Lofi, L A U F E Y. Okay. I heard it pronounced on a couple different podcasts I listened to, and that's how they pronounced it, oh, yeah. so I'm going with it. I've never heard of it. In some of these versions, uh, Loki is a a child left on the battlefield, um, and Odin sort of you know, brings him in. Others, it seems like maybe they're closer in age. Uh, in some, some tellings of it, uh, Loki and Odin uh, are blood brothers. Like they swear an allegiance and blood to each other, right. as brothers. Um, so the first thing you said there about the has a little bit of like was it Ezekiel thirty six in the Old Testament, and I found you in your blood hmm. and took you as my own and washed you and raised you. Yeah, yeah. sounds a little bit like that. Now yeah. I know he predates the head probably out of yeah. Christianity, but anyway, it just made me think about that. Sure. And in a lot of this is really hard to know, like because of the limited material to work with it's really hard to know like hey what was the original story what was added later right yeah. so as there's variations we'll we'll try to hit some of this this is a lot like um trying to track down robin hood yeah yeah um so go to kevin costner and work your way backwards <laughs> whoever has the best british accent right which is not kevin costner so loki is always seen as kind of an outsider Amongst the the Norse gods, a lot of times he's not even referred to as a god, right. but sometimes he is. But he lives with all these others, and sometimes he's seen helping them, and sometimes he's tricking them or hurting them, doing things for his own gain. He's random. Exactly. Yeah. Loki is chaos, unpredictable, and. In a lot of these stories, like like the kind of the the overarching idea that you know Odin knows that Loki is going to be is going to cause Ragnarok, the the downfall right. of civilization. But he keeps him around. He's helpful sometimes. And so, is he the personification of an existential threat? 
I think he's the personification of fate. Ah, okay. So, so if you're if you're telling your your wife we're going bow hunting this morning because we need more meat in the freezer, and that's a joke. And uh, and she walks over to kiss you goodbye, and she slips on a rock and falls and smacks her head really hard. Um, and all of a sudden, tragedy has entered your day. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows when this happens in our world, the person's never the same again because we don't know how to fix it. Is is that blamed on Loki? Stuff like that, where we would typically call an ambulance. The is stuff kind of blamed on Loki chaos. The stuff I read didn't really get into how the Norse people would have like that that kind of interaction. I, okay, I'd call that more misfortune and not chaos. Okay, all right. So they may not they may not have blamed that on Loki. Okay. But uh, so as an example, there's a prophecy that one of Odin's sons is going to be killed by his brother, one of his other one of his other sons. Yeah. And Loki's wife in the in the story goes around to all of the elements in all of the universe and gets them all to agree that they will not harm her son. The elements. The elements. Okay. Like every every being and every element. Wow. Okay. And so he went to the periodic table. <laughs> yeah. So the rest of the gods decide to have a game with this, and they proceed to try to kill her son. You know, at one point, Thor gets a giant boulder and just chucks it directly at his brother. The boulder stops right in front of his face and falls to the ground and breaks apart. Is this in the movie, the Marvel movies? No. Okay. The right. Marvel movies have nothing to do with. It. Okay. Okay. All right. The Marvel movies take a lot of liberty with Loki, but gotcha. I mean, the overarching idea, I guess, is still there. Loki has essentially he he's talked to Thor about this, and Thor has essentially like. Do you think you can? You think you can do what I can't do? I can't. St- I can't. St- I can't kill my brother. You think you can do it? So Loki disguises himself. He's usually seen as a shapeshifter. Yeah. He disguises himself as a handmaiden, and he goes to he goes to his to Thor's mother, and says like, "There's a lot of commotion going on. Do you know what's going on?" And she's like, "Yeah, you know, they're making a game out of you know trying to kill my son because." All the elements agreed that they won't harm him. And he's like, she's like, he, she, is like, well, yeah. Loki. Loki. Loki's also the only one in Norse mythology who is both a father and a mother. So. He's ahead of his time. It can get confusing. But the handmaiden, Loki, says, well, surely, that, that was quite a feat. Did you really go to every single one? And she says, well, there was one I couldn't find because it's so difficult Kryptonite. Mistletoe. Oh, okay. So Loki... I got this shooting out of a tree with a shotgun, but anyway. So Loki crafts a spear out of mistletoe. Huh. And goes to the brother who's prophesied to kill her son. Yeah. Who's also blind. And tells him, you know, hey... You know, you're not participating with all these other people. And he's like, well, I'm blind. I may hurt somebody else, you know, if I try to throw something at him or whatever. I'm just going to stay over here. He's like, no, think about how amazing it would be if 
you're out there and they're all cheering for you. And he says, here, you know, I, I've got a spear for you. I'll disguise myself so, so I can't be seen and I will guide you to him. So he gives him the spear and he guides him up to his brother with his mistletoe spear and he stabs his brother and his brother dies. Wow. So Loki is fate. It was prophesied the brother was going to die at yep. his brother's hand. Yeah. And the gods tried to, well, that's not really going to happen. We can stop that. And it still happened. Loki hmm. saw it still happened. Hmm. Similar with Ragnarok, you know, the whole idea that um, that Loki and, and Loki's children were going to be involved in in Ragnarok, and they try to stop him. They 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 lock him. At one point, they lock him in a pit for his role in killing Odin's son. They lock him in a pit with a giant serpent over him. This, this, this might get a little gruesome. He is bound in this cave by the entrails of one of his sons. Oh, okay, nice. Who was killed by one of his other sons when the, that son was turned into a wolf by the gods and made to kill his brother in front of Loki. Bound by his son's entrails, there's this giant snake over him that's dripping poison from his Good fangs. Lord. I feel like Mori Povich is somewhere with an envelope in this. <laughs> <laughs> so Loki's wife stays by his side with this large bowl catching the poison that's supposed to drip on Loki. Oh, okay. But the problem is the bowl gets full. And every time the bowl gets full, she goes to move it and some drips over the side or she moves the bowl and, and poison's leaking and dripping down on him now because the bowl's not there. And he, you know, he thrashes it, burns. And that was, the Norse people, that was earthquakes. Good Lord. Okay. But... That's a lot of explanation for an earthquake. Yeah. So a couple of plates shifting under your feet is a lot simpler, isn't it? But ultimately, and we won't get into all of this because it would it would take a long time. But ultimately, Loki gets free. Um, in some versions of the story, one of his other sons comes and frees him, and Loki's right there for Ragnarok. So again, in spite of everything the gods did to try to stop it, Loki is fate. So there is a Twilight Zone. I think I, I may have mentioned, I'm 45 now, and I can't remember what I mentioned and what I wished I hadn't and what I wished I had. But anyway, there's a Twilight Zone, one of the black and whites from way back, mm -hmm. where this man in this town, I'll make this quick, he, he figures out or somehow it's revealed to him that the town is going to burn down. And so he goes to the people on the street and he's telling everybody, be careful, the town, this town is going to catch on fire and lots of people are going to die. You know, do not light any fires, blah, blah, blah. You know, and everybody's like, what? this guy's nuts. And he starts looking like a madman. He's trying to save everybody's lives. Well, he sees a horse-drawn carriage and it's the guy that's going around lighting the lampposts or whatever for the night mm -hmm. as sun sets. And, uh, and he's like, this is it. And he really freaks out. And he runs up to the guy screaming, Stop! Stop! You're going to burn the town down! And when he does that, he scares the horse. And he's basically the cause for the town burning down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that makes me think of that. Yeah. No matter what you do, Marty McFly cannot change what happens yeah. at the 1955 dance. <laughs> yeah, know? and I've heard you know, other 
other versions of stories with the same kind of outcome. You try to you find out in advance and you try to change the outcome and you can't. And you, know, you, the may, for, you may be the cause of it. Yeah, it's the yeah. basis for movies. It's yeah. Okay. The basis for TV shows, etc. But there's another idea with with Loki and with with the trickster in mythology in general, and that is when it when it comes to chaos, the chaos in the world around us, maybe the only person or being who can bring order to chaos is a god of chaos. I got you. Um, and so you see, you see Loki with in that kind of role as well. You know, the only one who can stop the end of the world as we know it is the one who may have caused the end of the world as we know it. So is he? Let me ask you this: Is he wrapped up? Like, does he have anything to do with storms? Because mm. if I, if my family were huddled around a small fire in a mud hut with a thatch roof way back in the day in Scandinavia, and the wind began to blow and the hut began to shake, and the earth was trembling, and you could feel the thunder in your bones. I mean, you're, you're getting to the very edge of, you're like, oh my gosh, are we going to have chaos? You know, is, it, is this whole hut going to be swept away? Is a tree going to fall on us and kill us? Because you see that, you know, we've all seen a tree fall on somebody's house. Well, they saw some form of that back then, you know? Yeah. And I wonder, is he tied up with, like, storms and stuff like that? or? I mean, he's, he's tied into the idea of chaos. Now, specifically storms, I, mean, I don't have any reference to that. But, okay. But the idea of the chaos in the universe is definitely tied into to Loki. Okay. So it seems to me he's more a god of chaos at 10,000 feet than around your fire in your mud hut. Except he may cause earthquakes. Or his suffering <laughs> may cause earthquakes. Okay, yeah, okay. Huh. So he's more of an overarching chaotic thing yeah i mean to the whole community and and, versus just the individual and he brings good things sometimes you know the the whole story of how thor ended up with his hammer Ah. is a story that involves loki tricking the dwarves into making it that's right so um so he does good things and bad things and you know he he shaves off thor's wife's hair and that's kind of how that story starts off Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, he gets the dwarves to craft her new hair, golden hair, that will grow and put on her head. So. Yeah. So, yeah, Loki, and, and, and we'll see this overall with tricksters. It's a line. It's definitely chaos, and chaos is maybe just the best way to describe it, but it's a line between some good things, some bad things. Is is Loki a male? Is is he female? Like what? What? You know, there's a lot of. Is he a horse? Yeah, there's. Yeah, he's a mayor at one point. Right. Um, that's how he becomes a mother. Uh, so yeah, it's um, chaos. The best word for it. So that's Loki. Wow. Okay, so. <laughs> there's your transition. All right. This is very interesting because. Um, my trickster uh, is the same, but the mirror image. Okay. He is uh, chaos. Well, I don't know. So, uh, so mine would be kind of a both and, I guess, because he's he's chaos within your own mud hut, but then also from ten thousand feet over the whole community at one time. So. Uh, 
in North America, there's no real trace of this across the pond. You look in England and France, uh, Germany, there is no, there's nothing called or even sounding like something that's called the name Rouge. Okay. If you're from Detroit, your ears just perked up. Hannah's definitely did. So, um, I'm not from Detroit. <laughs> but I was in the war. Uh, we used to have a lady that came to our church, her and her husband, and she grew up in Detroit. And one day I asked her, this has been probably seven or eight years ago now. Golly, time flies, don't it? Um, I said, have you ever heard of something called the Nain Rouge or the Red Dwarf? And I, I didn't even get the word or out to say Red Dwarf. And she was like, oh, my gosh, how did you know about that? Do y'all have that in North Carolina? And I said, no, but you do in Detroit, right? And she said, yes, that's a big deal in Michigan. And we even have, she said, uh, in 2010, they, they began to have a parade mm-hmm. where people dress up as this scary-looking it's almost like Krampus without the horns. Yeah, I think we talked about this. In some, one of them, maybe? In one, another episode. Yeah, okay. And they they dress up like him in red clothes, a red and black face, and uh, and they march down the street. And they go a long way. Mm-hmm. And then they have, you know, there's elephant ears and popcorn and blah, 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 drinks and stuff, and beer. And, uh, and they get to this huge effigy of so it's like the it's a caricature of the name rouge he's a itty bitty scary looking like old man with a red face and red clothes yeah but when they get to their personify their manifestation of him it's mm-hmm. this giant enormous name rouge mm-hmm. and they beat it with sticks and whatnot as a community Okay. They, you wouldn't dare do this by yourself in your backyard. You would not dare. I don't care how little you say. So you know, Michael Scott would say how little stitches you are. Um, so <clears throat> it goes back to Native American tribes in that area around the Michigan area, all the way back to like um, when New France was a thing. That stretched from Canada all the way down to Louisiana, you know, the bottom of Louisiana, yeah. to the Gulf. Um, they had a creature that they would speak about, and it wasn't named Rouge, but it sounded pretty close. To, I can't come up with the name right off the bat. The governor of Louisiana, his name was Antoine Lomay. Okay. And and it does not look like you spell it that way. And he evidently had a run-in with a fortune teller at a party at some point, and she told him that he would be very successful and he would found a great city that would one day be under a flag nobody has ever seen. I guess she's talking about the Americas. Um, But all that could go away if he insulted the Red Dwarf. Okay. The name Rouge. And his wife heard this, and it really freaked her out. Well, about six or seven years later, after that happened... Now, this guy was... a Antoine was like a big honking deal. Okay. He had been a fur trader all up and down from Canada all the way down to Louisiana. Um, he knew all that area, so that got him into the Army. And um, he ended up being a major leader. Uh, he was in charge of major forts and ports. Um, 
But while he was at his greatest, one night he and his wife were leaving a big party. I think it was a Maypole party. And out from the darkness steps this little itty-bitty man mm-hmm. right in his way and is laughing. And evidently he punched or, or shoved this little man or hit him in the head. I think he might have hit him with a cane um, and insulted him. And according to his wife, this little creature vanished right there in laughter. But as soon as that happened, their lives fell completely apart. He was jailed in some sort of political thing. Um, some politicians on the other side of the aisle from him had him put into prison <clears throat> over, I guess, a lie or something. Um, his whole life fell completely apart. The city that he founded should have been named after him, but it ended up being named um, some French word for a piece of land in between two rivers that we we say Detroit. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, the curse evidently goes on to this day because every time there is a major event in Detroit, even up to current, like in the 2000s, um, people will say, and these are just normal folks that are going to the grocery store or picking their child up from school, and you will have bystanders or eyewitnesses to an event say, there was also this little red man (laughs) Uh, wandering around this event as it's as the chaos is unfolding, there was this little person dressed in red there for the event and acting like they're happy while whatever is going like a car crash, a train wreck, whatever is going on. Um, so, but it's it, never people that didn't grow up in Detroit. That's right. Yeah. So it's a. They've heard about this somewhere. They've yeah. They've internalized it, even if they don't realize they've yes. internalized it. And so one thing, John, you said he was the mayor of, or the governor of. He, so he was the governor of Louisiana without being there. He didn't. I don't think he went to Louisiana until after his governorship was over. Isn't that weird? How? And Louisiana was a very. I mean, Louisiana was. The Louisiana Purchase was. Two thirds of the U.S. or you know, right, not quite, true, yeah. but it was a much bigger area. That's true. Yeah. So he could have been way up north and still been governor. Because of, he was located in Detroit. Yeah. In yeah, he's area. way up north. Yeah, Michigan yeah. area, northern it's Michigan. A, it's a little like the the wives' tale that um, when you kind of shiver randomly. Yeah. And you say someone walked across my grave. Right. But they've really taken it to heart. True, yeah. And they've internalized it, even if they don't realize it. They've internalized that, and huh, yeah. So, so I think it's interesting that with the name Rouge, uh, when people finally deal with it, and like when I was a little kid, I would have a well. To this day, I've had some terrible dreams, and uh, just awful, horrific dreams once in a while. And I remember as a child, my dad would say, "Well, do you want to talk about it?" And I remember thinking, "What the heck is wrong with you? If I talk about this." It'll be real. It'll be real. Yeah. I don't know where I got that. Yeah. I, I, I've never seen a movie where maybe I never watched Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't know if that's part of that or not. But um, so yeah, it seems like with their dealing with the name Rouge, they all do it together hmm. and take sticks and hit him like he's a pinata. They're not going to do it alone. Yeah, you know. So that speaks a lot to, and also that they make a caricature of him and they make him really big to deal with him. That's just, there's something too that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and the so the idea of the trickster exists in a lot of mythology and a lot of cultures around the world. Um, do Scandinavians or maybe Vikings, do these folks that Loki was a part of their myth, mythological worldview, do they deal with him? Do they do anything to, to keep him at bay and hit him with sticks and effigy of him or anything? So or a no? decade ago, I'd probably say no. They, I mean, they don't. They look at this stuff as stories from their past, and but as those countries have gotten more secular, you've actually got a growing number of people who have like seriously bought into. Oh, we fall. We believe in the Norse gods of mythology, oh, okay. and huh. you know, worship them in some way. Back then, though, did they do anything like that? I'm not sure. Okay, I didn't really look at this from the standpoint of how the Norse people interacted with anything. Gotcha, I gotcha. But you you do have the the character of the trickster. As you said, you you referenced how the the Nain Rouge is not in Europe or anything, but you have this type of character possibly just to explain chaos um, or fate in cultures around the world. Uh, A few I looked at as it relates to America, uh, there's the story of Big Turtle right? Um, from the Pawnee people in the Central Plains. Okay. And uh, one of the stories around Big Turtle is uh, he had been captured by humans who wanted to kill him. And he heard that they were going to put him on a fire. And he says, all right, that will suit me, for I will spread my legs out and burn some of you. So they decide... They're going to immerse him in boiling water. And Big Turtle says, good, put me in and I will scald some of you. And then, hearing that they're going to throw him in the river and drown him, Big Turtle cries out, no, do not do that. I am afraid. Do not throw me in the water. And, of course, they throw him in the water. He pops to the top, swims away, and taunts them the whole way. Big Turtle. Big Turtle. Sounds like, sounds like the safety's nickname in a country football team <laughs> at some country high school. Hey, this yeah. is Big Turtle. Yeah, and we talked about uh, we talked about Loki turning into a mare, uh-huh. uh, being a shapeshifter. And there's a lot of animals or, or shapeshifters who turn into animals, uh, particularly in Native American tales. Uh, coyote tricksters are popular in mythology from the Southwest. Um, a raven trickster uh, is popular in the northwest a shape-shifting trickster who appears as a spider exists in west african and caribbean folk is that that a a nancy okay i ran across that and i do not do spiders so you back off (laughs) i know you take your chaos somewhere else and even in the more recent traditions um you know within the last few hundred years um you have Br'er Rabbit oh yeah Br'er Rabbit who's constantly outwitting the larger more dangerous animals he's witty yeah and that's that's a common thing you know Loki was always outsmarting outwitting yeah the much stronger Thor and the other gods yeah um and you see that a lot with with these characters um, and maybe this is getting a little silly, but 
in modern a, uh, a modern version of this yeah it's also a rabbit bugs bunny huh always outwitting the hunter with the gun or you know this is very whatever. true so very true so yeah they they exist i mean there's there's gods in uh, indian cultures like the subcontinent of india oh yeah uh, okay those cultures there is, you know, there's a god in, in Japanese culture who's the god of mischief. Um, so it exists kind of globally. And it really seems, at least uh, when I look at it, it really seems like this was mankind. It was, it was that culture trying to deal with, make sense out of chaos and fate and why things happen. Yeah. Huh. Is there a Judeo-Christian mischief figure within that worldview? I mean, you can't really view Lucifer that way. Uh-uh. But in the way you were telling the Loki story about, did you really go through and tell all of these elements? Oh, okay, it, yeah. It made me think of... Him talking to Eve. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Like, did yeah. God really say... Yeah. I guess there's a, yeah, there's a but, little of I mean, that, but... That's now, the, the Judeo-Christian worldview is so focused on the sinfulness of humanity that you don't, I mean, you don't really get in as much to I was wondering another. If, I mean, I can't speak to what, uh, maybe, if there's something in Jewish tradition that I'm not familiar with. Okay. But... Because um, Judas really throws a bomb, you know what I mean? Yeah. When he sells him out, he really throws a bomb in there. And what is said at the Last Supper, recording the Gospel of John, where he's like, what are you about to do? Go and do it quickly. You know, Christ is like, I know what you got planned, so go ahead and knock yourself out. Yeah. You, you know? Yeah. But to everybody else, to it's, Peter and James and, and John, he is throwing a major firework into the mist. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't. That's a stretch. Yeah, I, I I have a hard time associating any any of that to an agent of chaos. Like yeah, okay. Uh, make, I guess you could make an argument for it. Right. Okay. I guess you could have some one-off examples like Balaam. Huh. Okay. You know, kind of, kind of, you know, turning on his own people or, or whatever. But yeah. again, not really the same kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Now you're, are you the trickster in your you and your brothers? Uh, didn't this come up last week? I have been told this. Yes. You're Loki. Yes. <laughs> I have been told that. So you're the you're by the, both my brother and my wife. What is the insurance guy? He's mayhem. Mayhem. I mayhem. Love mayhem. Yeah, he's mayhem. Yeah. See, that's why I kept. I, th- I was thinking of him, and that's why I kept going to like, well, storms. Your wife falling and hitting her head because that's chaotic. You know, I mean, to that family unit, that's chaos. Yeah, yeah. and possibly, uh, I, I, I didn't really look at how Norse people interacted with this. That's certainly possible. Yeah, okay. Uh, but, yeah, and I would say I'm probably a lot less like Loki than I used to be. But. <laughs> All right, John, you got anything else? Yeah, I got one other thing. All right. There's this, in Celtic lore, there's something called the Bugle Nas. Okay. And this thing is ugly as homemade sin. Was this the one where they threw potatoes up against the wall or something to 
Get rid of it. I never. Um, no, I don't we, think we talked about that in here, a previous here, episode. Picture. So the Google Nas is a nice, friendly, but very lonely creature. He's the last of his kind, Aww. and he is. See, he's not chaotic. He wants to be a part of community, but he can't. Because um, he looks like that. He's so frightening. So he has to. He he knows that it's his fate. To be alone, except on Halloween night. Okay. When his appearance won't be so shocking to the people. Because um, they're all wearing scary yeah, masks. He yeah. can come out and and associate with humans at that well one night a year, but the rest of his life he's uh, he's stuck in not privacy, aloneness, solitary seclusion. Seclusion. He's stuck in seclusion, um, and he is frightening looking. Let me tell you. At least pictures. I'm talking about him like he's real. But, uh, yeah, and what's funny is we talk about this stuff, and we're like, you know, that's ah, not real, you know. But then, buddy, you get you get alone on a country road on your bicycle at 1 a.m., all of a sudden all this crap is real. So before we get done, I had a story I was going to open with, but we'll close with it. Okay. So I've been looking into this stuff. I've run across the Boogle Nas this morning after my – walk with my wife um, in the sauna morning that we had in North Carolina. Uh, well, this afternoon, you know, we do some reselling as a family. I ran across a lady that's getting rid of close to 200 books. I said, how much you want? And she said, you can have them, just come get them. I said, 10 four. So, and I thought, if we can't use any, I'll just drive them to Goodwill tomorrow morning. I want to look through them. Okay. Well, let me tell you. So she gives me her address. Okay, that's all right. But then she says, actually, don't turn down that road. It's not used anymore. Just stay straight, and it'll turn into a gravel road. And I was going to turn onto this lane, but she said, don't turn on that lane. Just go straight. Once it turns to gravel, you'll go a long way, and then you'll go down a big hill, and we're down there in the woods. I said, 10-4, okay. Now, I looked at this on the map. And I could tell, I knew where I was going, sort of. Yeah. And it's secluded. All right, so me and my little happy butt get in my Honda CRV and off we go. Well, the, she's right. That road, there's a sign there, but it ain't been driven on in years. The grass is eight feet tall right there. So I, I stayed straight and boom, we left the pavement. But I, all of a sudden, I'd start going real slow because the road had been washed out in places. And it had no gravel, no nothing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm doing one mile an hour, going on these enormous washouts. And then it goes down this huge hill into darkness of forest. <laughs> and, I mean, I'm out in the middle of nowhere. And I stopped the car, and I looked, in, I looked down into that dark path leading into the woods. And, you know, I listen. I watch a lot of Detective Joe Kinda, and I got to thinking, well, my, my, my. I might be a murder victim here, you know what I mean? And for the first time in reselling, I put my car in park and thought, I may pull the plug on this little adventure. And I looked down the path again. I didn't see a boogle Nas. And I thought, well, we're going for it. So I went and I went through the woods and there was this little white house in a clearing in the woods. I mean, dude, I felt like Hansel and freaking Gretel, like, if ever. <laughs> and there was all these books on the porch. And I was like, okay, here we go. And they came out nice as could be. 
But I just thought, all right, you people live in a creepy place. You know what I'm saying? Holy smokes. But um, that got my hackles up. And I, I remember listening to an interview with Rob Zombie, and he said that uh, one night he went and watched with his buddy The Walking, not The Walking Dead, Night of the Living Dead, yeah. at a drive-in theater. It was an hour bike ride to his buddy's house. And he didn't think about all that. When the movie ended, it was close to midnight, and he's out in the, the rural area of Pennsylvania. It's close to midnight. He's got an hour-long bike ride along country roads to get back to his house. And he said, and he had just watched Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. And he said he went through a lifetime's adrenaline, you know, in that hour. And he decided right then, I want to make people feel what I felt on that bike ride with film. (laughs) And he has. I do think you've told that story before. Oh, have I? Yeah. Uh, on this podcast? Yeah. Oh, well, there you go again. There it is again. All right. So, yeah, that, that little adventure for me with the books. Woo-hoo-hoo. Well, oh. one, one person's creepy is another person's. Disneyland? Yeah, well, not Disneyland, but just home. That's true. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, yeah. like, th- what made it creepy was the fact that you, your perception and what. And I was like the Boogle Nas. I was alone. I had nobody else to suffer with me. Or protect you. But or protect yeah. me. Yeah. And I didn't have a pistol this time. But, like, if if I lived in a place like that, if I knew the area and knew where to go. Right. Oh, I left the most crucial part out. Dang it. Right as I got to where the dirt road starts, I get this text. Okay, so the lady said, the lady says, I'm getting ready to wrap this up, I promise. The lady says, do you want to meet at uh, 5.30 or 6? 6 would be better. And I said, well, 6 will work. So at 5.50, I get this weird text that says, are you? And I read it in a witch's voice. I just read it in a creepy, I just read this text like this. Are you having trouble finding us? You know what I mean? Because that's what it's, and I thought, I don't know if I can do this. So I said, no, we said six, right? And she said, oh, yes, that's fine. And I just thought, oh, my God, I'm not going to live through this. But it all worked out. So, All right. I thought that applied a little bit to the creepiness of this episode. All right, folks. I'm done. You you good? I'm out. Okay, folks, we will see you next week for episode 61. Yeah, make sure to rate, like, and subscribe. Have a good one. See ya.